This is a picture. It was painted in 1563 by a Dutch artist named Peter Bruegel the Elder. What did he call it? He called it simply the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, you probably know that story fairly well, don't you? It appears in Genesis chapter 11. People build a city, and then they say in chapter 11, verse 4 of Genesis, come let us build a tower, right? We've got a city, now let's build a tower all the way to the sky. And let us make a name for ourselves. The root of the problem for the Tower of Babel is pride. Pride. Can you hear it in these words in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4? Let us build a tower to the skies and let us make a name, a name for ourselves. Peter Bruegel does a pretty good job of painting this Tower of Babel. He based it upon this 1551 sketch of what? What's that look like? The Roman Colosseum, right? Bruegel was aware of this. So looking back at the Tower of Babel, his 1563 painting, you can see where he got the idea from this 1551 sketch. So both buildings are dilapidated, both buildings are eroding, and both buildings are coming down. But there's one difference between the Tower of Babel, right, and this earlier sketch of the Roman Colosseum. Do you see it? See the difference? Big difference. Big difference. Let's zoom in on the Tower of Babel. And this helps us a lot, right? Tower of Babel is leaning dangerously to one side. But even more important, the artist wants us to see that the foundation is incomplete, right? People are still building the foundation. And that's the painter's point of building is only as good as its foundation. If the foundation is shaky, the whole thing is going to come crashing down. A building is only as good as its foundation. That's the painter's point, and that's also the prophet's point. (laughs) The prophet I'm talking about, of course, is the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah. It's Ash Wednesday. We begin a 15-part series. We will hear 15 sermons on the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. And we're calling this Lenten sermon series, Your Kingdom Come. Zechariah, in all 14 chapters, longs for, prays for, works for God's kingdom to come. Why is that? Because the temple, the Solomonic temple, the temple in Jerusalem has been torched, trashed, destroyed 
It happened in 587 B.C. And Zechariah lives, did you hear that in Zechariah 1 verse 1? In the second year of Darius. Second year of Darius would be 520 B.C. So the temple has been destroyed now for 57 years. And the people in Zechariah's day say, for God's kingdom to come, we need to rebuild that temple. We need to reconstruct it. We need to renew the temple. One of Zechariah's prophetic friends named Haggai, you know this at the end of the Old Testament, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Well, Haggai and Zechariah prophesied at the same time, same place, same problem. Haggai says, quoting God in Haggai 1 verse 6, Go up to the mountains and get wood. It's time to rebuild the temple. God's kingdom will come. God's presence will descend. All will be well when we rebuild what the Babylonians torched and destroyed. We all have something in our life that's been torched and destroyed. What is it for you? Family, finances, faith, (laughs) relationship. Maybe it's your emotional capacity just to deal with life. Whatever it is, it probably looks something like this. Busted bricks and burned out timbers. Life is a mess. East of Eden, which is where we're all at since Genesis 3, east of Eden, most of the time we get up in the morning and there's some facet in our life that looks exactly like this. And so God says it's time to rebuild that, rebuild that career, rebuild that relationship with that child, rebuild that emotional resiliency. It's time to rebuild. It may not be Fox Newsworthy or appear in Time Magazine, but we're all called to build something, something that has been destroyed and dilapidated and it looks dead. <laughs> it's all important. It's important that we rebuild the lives of children who have been torched in relationships. It's important that we rebuild our finances, if that's a little bit shaky. It's important that we build a life in integrity on the job, in the office. It's important that we build our faith upon the Word of God and study that Word and love that Word and delight in that Word. It's important that we are good grandparents and good parents and that we keep the Sabbath day holy. So you'd think that given this scenario, that the prophet Zechariah would begin his book saying, it's time to build. Get out the sawhorses, get out the plumb lines, get out all of the nails and hammers, and let's get to work. And if you think that, you're wrong. Dead wrong. It's not how Zechariah begins. It's a stunning turn of events because this is how Zechariah, we would believe, 
would begin his prophetic work. Let's build. (laughs) But that's not how he begins. Zechariah 1 verse 3. Return to me, says the Lord of armies, and I will return to you. Simple words, understandable words, clear words, powerful, life-changing words. See, if we start building uh, what is dilapidated without a firm foundation, it'll be the Tower of Babel. It'll all come crashing down. You remember the prophet's point and the painter's point. A building is only as good as its foundation. And the foundation has two critical pieces that whatever we're trying to build on our lives, if we don't have these two pieces, it will be a teetering, tottering Tower of Babel. You see the two pieces? Return to me. That's part one, says the Lord of armies. Part two, and I will return to you, part two. Challenge, part one, return to me. Gospel, good news, I will return to you, part two. But it's all about getting first things first. Uh, if Before we build, we need a solid foundation. You understand first things first, right? Homework. Then you can go outside and play. Exercise, then you get your pecan pie. (laughs) Plow the ground, then you plant your seed. Save your money, then you buy a car. Lay the foundation, then you build. First things first. Zechariah says, as we zero in on the first part of the foundation. Return to me, says the Lord of armies. This whole idea of return is rather simple to understand. Pastor Sean picked it up in his children's message. You got a book, you return it, you take it to the library. Spiritually speaking, to return to the Lord of armies is to realize how far away we are from him. If he's here, Christ crucified, I am way over here. The call is to return to the Lord. It's not to try harder. It's not to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's not to really get juiced up. And putting on our great holy clothes. (laughs) No, it's simply returning. Returning to Christ. Uh, Nothing in my hand I bring, right? Augustus Toplidae teaches us to sing that in Rock of Ages. So when I return, I return with nothing in my hands. I got nothing. No righteousness. (laughs) No excuses. No holy clothes. Return. Uh, We don't pray for it. Uh, We don't want it. Uh, We don't like it. Uh, But if we don't return, anything we're trying to rebuild 
will just come crashing down. It will be a great monument to us. It will be an insult to God. Zechariah goes on. He says, don't be like the ancestors. He's talking about people earlier in the 6th century B.C. A people, for example, in the days of Jeremiah. Don't be like those moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas because the former prophets like Jeremiah, they cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Repent from your evil ways, from your evil deeds. They didn't hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. The ancestors... In Jeremiah's day, one of the former prophets said, all we need is the temple. In fact, famous words in Jeremiah 7 verse 4, three times they they say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. All we need is the temple of the Lord, and we got it set. And (laughs) Zechariah says, the fundamental need isn't a renewed temple, the fundamental need is a renewed heart. Let me just be completely honest. Whatever need you think you have right now, that's not the primary need. It's not relational. It's not financial. It's not warmer weather. No, the the fundamental need we have is to return to the Lord. Not a renewed temple but a renewed heart. The heart of every issue is always a renewed heart. The temple is important, but it's not ultimate. (laughs) It's penultimate. Ultimate would be a renewed heart. And guess what? (laughs) In Zechariah 1 verse 6, the people got it. They were humble enough to understand how far away they were from the Lord. And so they returned, they repented. The the fire of faith was relit. Uh, People got serious about God and they got serious about sin and they got serious about returning to the Lord. These people who... Zachariah is preaching to, they confess their sin. And that's, of course, what Hash Wednesday is all about. Confession. Confession. I say that word, and you probably have in your mind, right, backroom interrogations, Chinese water torture, CIA waterboarding, But that's not what the Bible obviously means by confession. Confession is not, repeat not, underline not, me revealing to God all my problems. You know, it's not what it is. God knows your problems. God knows your junk. God knows my junk. When I confess, it's not like I'm telling God something he doesn't know. No, God knows everything. The Greek word for confession, the New Testament sounds like this, homo logeo. Homo means same, logeo means speech. We simply agree with God. We have the same speech that that he has about us. Confession is agreeing with God how far we are from him. Confession, then, isn't revealing to God something he doesn't know. 
Uh, confession isn't telling God how bad life is. Con- confession isn't pointing our finger at someone else saying, it's all their fault. That's not what confession is. It's not how we return to the Lord. Confession is David in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Get it? Heart, spirit. Confession is the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Confession is the tax collector in Luke 18. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I have a confession to make about my confession. More often than I care to admit, when we confess our sins in church like this, I say the syllables, I pronounce the words, I understand the sentences, but my heart is galaxies away from God. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a two-faced pretender. I preach sermons against people like me. (laughs) Uh, People who just kind of show up and nonchalantly go through the motions. Confession is understanding and acknowledging and agreeing how far my thoughts, my actions, my attitude, my life is from the holiness of Almighty God. They need a little help to do that tonight? Then try Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All missed the mark. A building, remember, a building is only as good as its foundation. And the foundation for our lives, the foundation for anything, is what? Return to me, that's the first part, that's the repentance part, the returning part, the confession part, the law part, the judgment part, the hard part, but the honest part, but now we come to the gospel part, right? And I will return to you. So how does God return to us? Peter Bruegel the elder not only painted the Tower of Babel, he also created this painting, simply called Calvary. It's a fascinating painting. Do you see Jesus? That looked kind of hard. It's kind of like a where's Waldo kind of a challenge, right? Do you see Jesus up there? Right there, under the cross. Peter Bruegel, the elder, is telling us Jesus is always hard to see. (laughs) There's so much going on in our lives. Jesus is always hard to see. But if we don't see Jesus... We miss everything, so let's zero in on it. There it is. Zechariah, like no other prophet in the Old Testament, helps us see the passion, the suffering, and the death of Jesus. Like no other prophet. Did you know that? Zechariah. 
Zechariah 9 verse 9 predicts Palm Sunday. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, riding upon a donkey. Zechariah called it out. Palm Sunday helps us see Jesus. Zechariah 11 verse 12. They will sell me for 30 pieces of silver. Well, you know, that would be Judas. Zechariah called it out. Zechariah 11 verse 12. Zechariah 13 verse 7. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. This is exactly what happened in Gethsemane, right? They, they struck the shepherd, Jesus, and the disciples scattered. Zechariah called it out. Zechariah 12, verse 10. They will look upon me whom they have pierced. The Roman spear thrust. John chapter 19, verse 34. Zechariah called it out. The sudden flow of blood and water. Zechariah, like no one else in the Old Testament, helps us fix our eyes on Jesus. Return to me, says the Lord of armies, and I will return to you. Do you see how God returns to you? With great compassion and kindness and love and abounding mercy. We must see Jesus. Because a building is only as good as its foundation. A man named Edward Mott knew that. He composed a hymn in 1834. Familiar lines. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but holy Lean on Jesus' name. Now there's a foundation to rebuild your life upon. Jesus' blood and righteousness. All other grounds is sinking sand. Amen.